Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Not Is Nostalgia podcast is sponsored by the Teammates app, a football quiz like no other. Climb the divisions, win the league, win the cups, all by linking 11 players by association. Whether you're old or you're young, Teammates has both a modern and a vintage mode to suit your skill set. It's Teammates, look for the red and white ball on the app store. Oh, and I've heard they've got some shirts coming out and there's some more quizzes coming out online too, but keep that under your hat. Welcome to the Notice Nostalgia podcast. Each week, my esteemed pal AJ Alex Rhodes again in his Brexit Umbro, and I, Jake Doyle, a New Yorker today in San, San Siro in Milan, hop into our time machine to 2000 to select footballing moments of the time to pick the bones up. Today, we're going to be talking about Ipswich Town in the Premier League. As 20 years ago on this day today, they drew one all with Arsenal. But first, we've got to talk about Makeda! <laughs> yeah, amazing Martin Tyler impression there, Jake. Um, and yeah, and one of the best, probably Martin Tyler moments of recent memory of the is back end, another back ender, and another amazing goal, just like the start of this podcast of Johan and his beautiful goal. So for me, one of the best debut moments of all time, especially in the Nortis, um, for one of the best teams of the Nortis, Man United, and how better to announce yourself on the, in, on the stage than Federico Makeda's goal against Aston Villa, winning the game for United, arguably securing them the title, definitely keeping them in control of the title race. Just an amazing moment. I think for me, you've put in our notes that it's low down, but I don't really agree in terms of the goal itself. I think you might have an argument, but in terms of the moment, I struggle to think of a better debut or a more important debut. Long term, yeah, Makeda has struggled, found a little bit of farm not kind of an icos, but that actual moment for me still holds up as a as a great moment of the noise. In terms of moments, yeah, I have to agree. It's one of the most important really in the list I've got here. There's probably only really Danny Rose who perhaps scored it on scored his debut yeah. goal on a bigger occasion, that, that massive one. volley 
in the uh, North London derby in 2010. But yeah, aside from the the importance of this game was probably far more important than that North London derby though because United yeah. were coming off the back of two pretty damaging defeats. 4-1 to uh, Liverpool on uh, March the 14th, 2009. Then Fulham, 3-0. They had Rooney suspended for a handball on the line, uh, for uh, lobbing the ball at the referee. And then you got Scholes yeah. suspended for handballing the ball off of the line. 3-0 defeat, or was it 2-0? Either way, it wasn't very good at Craven Cottage. <laughs> Wayne Rooney punching a corner flag. And they yeah. were 2-1 down in this game as well, weren't they? So... Ronaldo scoring yeah. the penalty. He was in his last moments as a Man United player, really, there. But the game turns as Makeda turns, swivels, right foot, bang, bottom corner. Aston Villa at this point, let's not forget, they're a fantastic team pushing for the yeah, Champions good League. Villa team. Good, good Martin O'Neill. And yeah. John Carew and Gabby Agbonlaw give United's defence problems. A, a defence that was record breaking in terms of how long the shut out the opposition from, I think, between November and February, if I'm remembering correctly, with Edwin van der Sar not conceding in over almost a thousand minutes, or it might be over a thousand minutes. And yeah, they just, Agbon Lahar and Carew just caused United problems all day. And it was turned on Makedaru in my list, he is low because it's more long-term because yeah, yeah, he hasn't done anything outside of, he scored, he scored a really fluky winner the week after against Sunderland. It hit his knee yeah, off did, yeah. a shot from either Carrick or Scholes, I remember. And that was essentially it. He was relegated to League Cup appearances with your boy Bebe. Yeah. And that was yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> and then he left. He, well, he didn't leave United until about loans. 2014. Yeah, Speaking of loans, I've got a game for you. I didn't include this on the notes because obviously I'd be giving the game away. But the game is... Name me all of Federico Makeda's clubs. There's 10, wow. including United. So you've got nine to guess. You've already get, got one Panathinaikos, so give me the other yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, flipping heck, you've done it. <laughs> uh, Doncaster. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it, though, isn't it? Like, and for me, I mean, there was a group of like United players under Fergie who... Would always hope that they'd find some form and get back into the team. So, like, they'd be like your pre season regulars, and then you knew when um, the season came around they'd be shipped out on loan. Like your Chris Eagles, your Makedas, Bebe, like you say, people like that. Let's include Ravel Morrison and other players like that. Yeah, the head big, of time, <laughs> big time. So, yeah, I mean, what I like about the Makeda thing is it had a little narrative to it going into the Villa game. So it scored a hat-trick for the reserves. And I remember soccer, soccer Saturday, Sky Sports News, like hyping up a fair bit. Obviously, Rooney had just been suspended, what have you. You know, so they had that gap of like, oh, could Makeda be the one to come come into the team and, and save them? And essentially, did that. The goal itself is magnificent. Like I said, turns, shoots. Finesse, FIFA-esque, and then Martin Tyler commentary. So, yeah, for me, it's hype for the moment. I get what you're saying. Long term, he's flopped off. So, you know, burst onto the scene and then fizzled out. Whereas, like you say, I think Danny Rose, Derby, amazing goal. And then he's become consistently class left back for years to come. Danny Rose will be talking about later on as well in the... Yeah, Any other business, a little yeah. bit, but 
Um, and then Martial as well, United versus Liverpool is another belter. But I still think McCurdy, just for the moment itself, was, it was a huge moment. And yeah, it swung the title firmly back in United's hand when people thought it was slipping away. But yeah, yeah in terms definitely. of David's clubs, going back onto that question, I'm struggling, but I know there's a few sort of Doncasters. <laughs> And then a few international ones. Definitely a few Doncasters. So 2011, Sampdoria. Royal Antwerp on there. Royal Antwerp isn't on there. I think it uh, will, United will be on those days of that affiliation. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got Sampdoria in 2011, QPR 2012, Stuttgart 2013, Doncaster, as you already said, 2013, Birmingham, Cardiff, where he spent two years. Yeah. Not on loan. Nottingham Forest yeah. for a, a bit of time. Navarra in Italy for two years. And now he's at Panathinaikos banging in the goals as you'll be seeing on the screen now as you're watching this on YouTube. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he looks to be finally hitting some kind of form. I think he must, he must be in his late 20s at this point. Yeah, late bloomer maybe. I mean, I think he's always had that. <laughs> he probably just lacked that lick of pace in the Premier League, to be fair, because I think he's got technique. Yeah, well, he must do, yeah. But, um, yeah, maybe is there a case to say, we always say it, don't we? Like, does this still exist? happened in the noughties and what I'm saying is players who have come out of the reserves or out of the youth team and had such a moment I struggled to think of any recently because it's just so even your your lower table teams choose to panic by or stop well, got the strikers instead yeah. rather than try and or rather than be forced to bring someone up through the academy because it'll never happen because I mean if you look at a team like Sheffield United who are challenging the title well, I mean, Chris Wilder loves a striker. He must have about five, six on his books at the same time. So it's, <laughs> they're all established strikers. So it's never going to be that Makeda sort of that kid doing well in the reserves coming up. So I think it's speaking of Chris Wilder, speaking of Chris Wilder strikers, he's just sold Callum Robinson like a couple of minutes before we came out on there. So there right. you go. <laughs> yeah, but well, on I'm the sure list, I still got plenty on the books. That'll be a big time. Um, on the list of uh, Premier League debutants to score and then have a good Premier League career, I've got Michu down at the bottom, who scored two cracking goals for Swansea. He had like a good half a season, three quarters of a season, but then just sort of tailed off into nothing. Um, won the League Cup that year with Swansea City, obviously, against Bradford City. And obviously, you've got Paolo Onchop scoring that superb winner against yeah. Manchester United. Derby's uh, return to the Premier League. Jurgen Klinsmann. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that sort of player where they've come into the Premier League experienced, they've scored goals and had good first seasons, okay spells. And you've got the Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford corner, goals goals in big, big games against Liverpool and Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. And they've still really got time to prove themselves. They're starting hitting the stride at the same time at the minute. I guess that kind of answers my question, but obviously it's the same club. Is Rashford was that one who, through injury, came into the team and done absolutely amazing. So. Yeah. And it was Martial who got injured so he could play. So Yeah, well, and even Will, Will Keane getting injured. Well, yeah, and who was it? Um, Will Keane was Wilson. above him in the pecking order. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, Jesus Christ, yeah, he was. <laughs> James Wilson. James Wilson, Will you Keane had to. Era, <laughs> the good old days. And obviously, rounding off the top three, obviously, we spoke about Danny Rose. You also got Robbie Keane. He's got two goals for Coventry against Derby. Bit of a nomadic career, but he's in the 100 club for a reason as is Sergio Aguero, scoring two goals against Swansea on that Monday night football in 2011. And, of course, Alan Shearer. Two belters for Blackburn against Crystal Palace, both from outside the box. 
and he's now the Premier League record goalscorer. And the Athletic named him this week the second best player to ever play in the Premier League out of 60. So, there you go. Do we know the first, yeah? Thierry Henry. Ah, okay. Which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I'll say is on the uh, Makeda thing, obviously Martin Tyler... Um, almost well, he did get very excited. What other Martin Tyler moments stand out for you? Or do you think he's now sort of encouraged to say certain stuff or plays up to his his meme, um, mm. prone nature? Well, are you hinting towards so last last night as we're speaking, uh, England played Denmark nil nil and he kept banging on about uh, Calvin Phillips being the Yorkshire yeah. Perler, which I think he cursed him pretty much. Let's be honest, it, it was. Playing in a system he's not quite used to, and it's his first international yeah. game, so I won't oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to judge him for that. Um, obviously, Martin Tyler's main moment that of recent times, anyway, that people seem to remember is that Martial goal when he shouts, "Oh yes!" and yeah. it's blatant, <laughs> but um, yeah. which has since been accused of being a Man United fan, despite being a fan of working and coaching working as well in the uh, non-league. Um, I'm. Can't think of many other Martin Tyler moments. He's had he's had a couple of one-liners like that sums it all up with Tony Adams in '98. Um, the one I remember, it's not Martin Tyler, but he was sat next to him, Andy Gray, when he's sat there clapping uh, Robert Perez's uh, lob at Villa Park yeah. in 2002, I think. But yeah, um, Martin Tyler does get a bit excited, um, and I found it. I tweeted it out, but I found it really odd that he was commenting on an England game. I know Sky have Nations League, but. I always picture yeah, Guy Mowbray, John Motson, Clive Tildesley commentating on England games. Yeah, it should be. I mean, sadly, it probably won't be Guy Mowbray and Clive anymore. So no, no. After the games to uh, Sam Matthews. <laughs> what a great way to uh, end that particular section of the show. Yeah. After this. Yeah, after this break, we'll be talking about Ipswich Town in the Premier League and their rise in 2001. Right, and we're back. We're talking Ipswich Town in the Premier League. In 1938, they became a football league team being admitted into the uh, Big four divisions. They became a top flight team in 1961, where promptly they won the league in the first season before going down the following season in a weird time. Uh, Bobby Robson became the manager in the late 60s and then gave them their biggest glories, the FA Cup, the UEFA Cup, two second place in the league. And they were in the top flight for the formation of the Premier League. That formation sort of ended in 1995 when they finished bottom, the season being known for that 9-0 historic loss to Manchester United, which is still a record to this day. And ever since they got to the semi-finals of the playoffs in the second tier in 97, they lost on away goals to Sheffield United. They lost 2-0 in the playoff semi-finals to Charlton in 98. Same to Bolton on away goals in 99. But finally in 2000, they beat Barnsley 4-2 in the final after beating Bolton 7-5 in the semi-finals. There was a strong spine to the team that I really liked. It was sort of Richard Wright in goal, who was tipped to be yes. England's number one. Almost rumoured to uh, succeed Peter Schmeichel at Manchester United, but that obviously never uh, came to fruition. You had Titus Bramble, Herman Horidison at the back. You had Matty Holland, Jim McGillan in midfield, and you had the free scoring Marcus Stew up front. Even in that time, you had Kieran Dyer for the Tractor Boys, but he would obviously sign for Newcastle before they came up. 
they sort of started bang average, so a couple of wins, a couple of draws, the draw being at home to Manchester United, lost a few dodgy games, they were mid-table. And in this game, it's not really a game that's fondly remembered, but I just took the opportunity, because I wanted to talk about Ipswich Town. Marcus Stewart opened the scoring on 49 minutes, pegged back by Bergkamp, and Ipswich would lose just one game before December, and they were momentarily in the Champions League spots. What do you think Ipswich would have done in the Champions League in 2000 had they got there? Because they were still knocking around the top yeah. three, five by the end of the season. I would say probably something, put it to modern day standards, probably something similar to Leicester when they found themselves in there. few good wins, good performances, good feeling at home, but really never going to do all much other. So. Nah. so they would lose to, they would lose away at, Charlton, which found them fifth, and so Leeds and Liverpool ascended ahead of them. Leeds, obviously, it would get to the semi-finals of the Champions League. So last week, we spoke about teams that trailed off in the Premier League when we were talking about Hull last weekend. Which is the best promotion season in the Premier League? So Ipswich aside, they finished fifth and then got relegated. Which sort of team do you think has done better than them? Obviously, recently, we've had Sheffield United and Wolves. So, I'd say, you've got to say Blackburn, really, haven't you? But, yeah. Yeah. They, were, they came up and they finished fourth, and then it was second and first. Obviously, it's there's an asterisk beside it because they did have all that money, and then they were promptly yeah. relegated in 1998, and maybe too much money behind them. They lost Alan Shearer, of course, and the likes of Chris Sutton, you know, Colin Hendry, Tim Sherwood. Um, I like... Sunderland, I like Sunderland a lot when they came yeah. up. For some reason, yeah, they, yeah. they were yo-yoing a bit and then they came up and then just got 100 points in the championship and then came up and they were seventh and they were just absolutely class. And ever since, they've just been a shell, really. I mean, you've had Reading, who finished eighth and then got relegated. They never really fell away, but then that second season, they were just shocking. Yeah, to really. me, Reading don't stand out as a team who... Did well, but I mean, like you say, we did finish eighth. It was just you know, a bit Burnley esque, yeah, 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 quite boring, not very exciting, but get the job done and then end up doing quite well in terms of accruing quite a lot of points and staying up. When, th- when did Bolton come up then? Bolton came up in 2001, so a season after. They didn't really, the first, shout, the first Bolton, two maybe. seasons, they didn't have. They were in the bottom half and they skirted with relegation a bit. But then that third season, they sort of, I don't know, something clicked. They, they signed Akocha, yeah. Jock, IFR, you know, all these players. Well, Fernando Hierro, yeah. Kevin Davies, Kevin Nolan, Yaskalainen. and they were absolutely class. Um, and they would finish, I think the highest they ever finished was sixth. So again, like Ipswich, again, you know, Bolton are probably one of my favourites, sort of like, Outside chance of getting into, they were never really going to get into the Champions League, and that's why Sam Allardyce left, wasn't it? I suppose because they couldn't give him that money that would take him yeah, to the next that level. Push. Yeah, because yeah. when he was in charge of Bolton, it was like right in the middle of the big six, big four era where it was every season it was United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, and they were never going to mm-hmm. break that. There was only Everton who got into the top four, but even then, Liverpool still got into the Champions League. You know, teams like Spurs, who got into the top four, had Champions League football taken away from them with a rule change and Chelsea winning the Champions League in 2012. 
and finishing sixth. And I think if Wolves would have existed in this era, 2001, I think they would have got into the top three in 2001. Because aside from Manchester United, Arsenal were very poor. I think they finished up with 70 points in second place. Liverpool weren't that team yet under Gerard Houllier. It would make them something a lot bigger in a few years down the line. And Leeds were distracted by the Champions League semi-final and getting, yeah. getting to that point where they lost to Valencia. And Wolves with that team, the quality of the players, they finished seventh and they finished seventh again. And they they had yeah. a quality Premier League, they had a Premier League quality team, is what I'm trying to say, in the championship. So a bit like Ipswich here, where they finished fifth, they had they were probably greater than the sum of their parts, whereas Wolves now have acquired quite a few sort of wonder kids and they've got a, quite a young core. And they are probably the best of the rest, quite defined now, or the best of the rest. Definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Wolves and Sheffield United have got massive potential. We keep talking about how our sort of top six are Premier League top table. But then you kind of remember Wolves and Sheffield United, what they did last season, and even Leicester. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Leicester could be one there, you know, promoted, and then a few years later. Well, yeah, it well... Is. To be fair, they actually won the Premier League, didn't they? So that's yeah. probably missing them out quite quite a bit. Um, I think that the first season they were struggling a bit, obviously changed manager, sort of from Pearson to Ranieri, and then yeah. sort of capitalised that there was a... Every few years, there seems to be a gap open up. And then in 2010, it was Liverpool falling away and the team that exploited it was Tottenham. 2016, it was Leicester. And I think this last season just gone, a gap opened up. Tottenham, Arsenal, United, Chelsea, all in transition. Leicester, Leicester, Wolves, Sheffield United, they all had a big chance of getting Champions League. Didn't yeah. get it. So, And usually after that gap opens up, it closes very quickly because a lot of teams are, are wanting to um, capitalise. Uh, sorry, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Bounce back looking to yeah. bounce back and sort of the overspend and the sort of getting the managers, get the managers' decisions right. Obviously now it's a lot different, COVID-19, you know, they yeah. can't spend as freely. So that gap could open up to them becoming a new normal, to borrow a phrase that we've heard a lot of the, this past year. <laughs> we'll be back with our 2000s trivial teaser after this. Before we leave the comfortable inertia of the footballing world, we've got time for a 2000s trivial teaser. So last week, I said that you'd get it. You didn't. It was, of course, Eric Jemba Jemba, played Should with Jeremy dying. played with Jeremy Tulalon, Ashley Young at Aston Villa, Cristiano Ronaldo at Man United, Milan Barros again at Aston Villa, Kyle Lafferty, um, I forget where he played with him, but he also been managed by Alex Ferguson and Martin O'Neill. Kyle Lafferty with Ringer there, definitely. <laughs> so this week, I've forgotten my pick again, so I'm going to have to research it all over again to find out who I've picked and retrace my steps. But this week, we've got a striker. He's been managed yeah. by Trevor Francis and Harry Redknapp. His teammates are Christopher Ray, Nuno Valente, Mikel Arteta, John Arnarisa and Jose Bosingo. Yeah. Who do you think he is? Because I don't know. <laughs> so. 
you've forgotten. We only have to work this out. I am. Um, well, I have two. I don't think I agree, right? Oh, I even tick that many boxes, if I'm honest. <laughs> the one that I said to good shout might only tick one box. But it was Kenneth. <laughs> it was Kanu. Oh, Nancy's Jeffers. But the bossing no. one is a con- is Bossing, bossing but I, just, I don't yeah. think it's at Chelsea. I think it's at a later club. Um, right. Or China or some shit. Perhaps. Um, is there, is definitely Everton in there because Nuno Valente I think did play for Everton for a bit. Arteta obviously he did. did, yeah. But Trevor Francis didn't manage. Uh, Trevor Francis managed Sheffield Wednesday, didn't he? And Harry Redknapp's been all over the shop, and he's a striker. Who knows? Um, if you know, please leave the answer in the comments section, and the answer will be revealed next episode. <laughs> yeah, I will find. I mean, I'll I... figure it out for next week. Don't worry. Yeah, Francis Jeffers will just. Arsenal. They won't be in Arsenal, Shout but, uh, Ray, but I'm then thinking obviously it. he had Everton on loan at for a bit. He kind of went back on loan, didn't he? So I thought maybe I'd tell him, but then you've got Reese. It's a mess, Jake. Let's go. <laughs> Find out the answer next week. Have you got any other business for us? Should we talk about the latest trend when it comes to uh, streaming services? Go on then. So, obviously, lately, the uh, Spurs documentary has been released. And that's the trend, the fly on the wall football documentary. Jose Mourinho, or Jose Mourinho, as he pronounces it, tell someone to pronounce it, um, on his first day as Spurs manager. Saying the C word and fucking hell quite a lot is quite a beautiful thing to be fair. Got a great um, swear. Yeah. Obviously you've got the Leeds one as well, which was also on Amazon the Man City one. Sunderland till I die is probably my favourite, I think, because yeah. for these they're all entertaining, but for them to be properly entertaining, you need a team that's a bit of a shambles. Def- oh, definitely. Let's be honest, for the last few years, Sunderland have definitely been that way. Oh yeah, I think Amazon oh, hit the jackpot yeah. with Mourinho coming in and changing the manager because I, f- I have a feel that Pochettino yeah, could have yeah, had the propensity good. to be very very dull. I mean, Man City yeah. were only interesting because they were doing really well, really well. Um, Sunderland does it's the same with me. It's my favourite one because they do need to be in a bit of a shambles for it to be good. Um, it's not. It's not like the. This is a new like subgenre because we've had the Barry Fry one, which is one of my favourites as well. Big, big run true. manager, big run manager is another good one. Warnock, Warnock, Warnock is yeah, yeah. Warnock. <laughs> There's that uh, compilation on Twitter where it's a uh, yeah, <laughs> it's Guardiola spliced with Warnock interspliced, Beautiful. and it's just Oscar winning. Is that what it it's should amazing. be? Enjoy yourself by being fucking disciplined over there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's a great video. I need to go watch it after yeah. this. Um, in terms of the Tottenham one, I've been quite surprised by how open Mourinho has been. Obviously, he knows exactly what he's doing every time there's a camera in there. But Danny Rose being that bullish with him um, in yeah, the second batch of episodes, yeah. he's, that's a fantastic scene. Because we know he's quite outspoken anyway, but I didn't, really, didn't think he'd be like, that outspoken and that honest to sort of Mourinho is like saying 
if you do, if you don't want to play me, just say and the, sort of the, yeah. how um, straightforward sure and Yorkshire is about it all. And yeah, um, probably, yeah. Harry Kane's team talks, his little shouts at the at the before they go out <laughs> half time or first out, is they're just a bit cringe. Mental, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think when Luis comes back into the team, to say English in his first language, he does it best. James Beach and Harry Kane does. It's Definitely. it's just pretty much one swear word, a couple of things like chances, goals, fucking chances, yeah. goals, work, <laughs> press, and it's it's essentially just that in it. Both both players really, um, but yeah, I'm look, I, <laughs> yeah, essentially the Mike Bassett thing. England going to lose four <laughs> nil, which is pretty much the template for these have been sort of parodied again and again by like the Mike Bassets and stuff like that, which is. Probably the best film ever made. Best English, best English, True. best football film ever made for me. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think with the Spurs one, and to be fair, this counts for all the ones that I've seen, which is good. And I think <clears throat> definitely a reason why people should watch them if they're not football fans, um, which I think is a good sign of a good documentary anyway, if you're not interested in the subject, but you still. Yeah, have that potential to be entertained by the actual content. But if you're not a football fan and you watch it, hopefully you'll be surprised by like how down to earth some of the footballers come off as. Like a lot of them are, well, most of them are just normal people wanting a fairly normal life, but happen to be pretty good at football. Yeah, I think that comes across in all of them. So obviously, like in the Spurs one, everyone's falling in love with Tanganga because he's just a nice yeah, kid a still living person. at home wants to like repay his parents for all the support they'll give him um, to get to the stage where he's at. And I think like George Honeyman in the Sunderland one as well is pretty similar. Yeah. And even to Johnny Williams. Pains with, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. And pains me to say it, but watching the Leeds one, a lot of them lads, Calvin <laughs> Calvin Phillips comes across really well. Uh, Liam Cooper, so I haven't watched watch it for that reason. Yeah, it's yeah. worth a watch. But again that it's too it's kind of too good. I think the Amazon ones all seem to be like picking Too crisp. teams. Yeah, whereas Netflix have gone, we'll pick Sunderland. <laughs> and they just keep hitting the jackpot every season. Yeah, Berry would be a good one from the last. Yeah, if they oh thought God. that'd be mental. Wow. <laughs> the stuff he's been posting on the website recently has been phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, it's just shame, really. I think Daniel Levy comes across well as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everyone seems like he says it himself in the latest batch of episodes that everyone thinks he's hard nosed and he is, and well, that's why they're successful and that's why they have been successful. And yeah, yeah, but again, it's, 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 I mean, I wonder if like Ed Woodward sits there in the canteen and is approachable as Daniel. Probably Levy's. not. Probably, yeah, not. I doubt it. But we won't yeah. know until the Man United documentary comes out, and that could have been due to come out really with the Louis van Gaal era. That was the perfect time to do that. Yeah, <laughs> All the Mourinho. Probably not. They'll probably never do probably that. Not. They're not that sort of Ed Woodward knows that he's a bit of an oddball. So yeah, well, don't yeah. want to put himself in that situation. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Levy in general has been an underrated chairman because, yes, yeah, Spurs obviously are a big club anyway, but he's stabilised him. You can never see him going plummeting down the table. No. no. He's took him to a new level of his stadium and stuff. No, they're well managed, definitely. Yeah, well run club. Yes, but check so check that out. But check Warnock out definitely. Sunderland 
and Barry Fry well, for that transfer yeah. deadline alone. <laughs> I mean, Bradford City tried it, which didn't go, go too well. When the uh, yeah, when the crazy chairman came in, it was probably a good idea. Um, you see the chairman sitting in team selection meetings and stuff, and it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, that's but a yeah. bit off. Yeah, it is. It is. It's Sunderland to our dialogue, really. It's an embarrassment, but it's all over now. Another player I think has come out good off this uh, Tottenham documentary has been Deli Ali. I think he's yeah. been really, really eye opening, really, because he's, he's a, again, he's another normal person. Mainly, the only bits he seems to get where it's sort of like fly on the wall is mainly the just talking shit about chocolate bars. That's pretty much. Yeah, I mean, his opinions are questionable on chocolate oh, yeah, bars, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Who's Drifter? Is it him who says Drifter or someone else? Physio. Or? I like Drifters. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably a biscuit anyway. But... I'd say a wafer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So yeah, no. we end it there? <laughs> That's all we've got time for today. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about another piece of football media in the fact that Goal was released on this day next week. 16 years ago we've got the answer wow. to the uh, Christopher Ray Harry Redknapp teaser and what are you going to talk about for us next week I'm going to talk about we'll just talk about Matt Chairman but we'll talk about a fairly mad manager who had a crazy moment um, we'll leave it there just say I'm talking about Joe Kinnear yeah chancer anyway elsewhere on the channel our throwback Thursday is the 93 Champions League final the Friday 5 side is about Chelsea what ifs? We've got West Ham and Ronaldinho. Our ranking is the strikers of the 2010s. I'm at if what underscore what? Uh, fuck that up. And you're at Alex J Rhodes. Come say nice things about us on Twitter. Retweet us. Follow us. Do what you like. But until then, bye. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.